Hey, how's it going? This is the Zach Peters Podcast. This is Zach, and I have a special pre-recorded message from you. This is from a live stream that I did the other night, but I found it very appropriate for our podcast as well. It's all about peace. So I hope this encourages you. I hope it inspires you. I hope it helps you grow closer to God and grow closer in your relationship with other people and hope you connect with it or with me on some level. I hope you guys enjoy this. Let's jump into this thing. Peace. And it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. What a time it is to be alive. It's crazy out there. It's wild. I've never really experienced anything like this. And whether it's blown out of proportion or not, the worldwide impact of this new coronavirus is completely undeniable. Like you can't get around it. Things are different than they were a couple of weeks ago. And for the foreseeable future, things will be different. And so we need to pray. We need to pray that God does what God can only do and intervene in amazing and spectacular ways. And maybe in a week from now, a month from now, two months from now, next summer, a year from now, this season will just be a brief memory. It'll be something that we remember, but it won't be something that scares us anymore. But other illnesses have popped up through existence and and other concerns like this have happened and time goes by and it's like they don't even matter anymore. And I hope that's the case for this. I hope um, after the trauma of this moment has passed that it will stay in the past and not be something that, that scares us in the future. But all of this can be scary. It's frightening. And I know for a fact that it's frightening for some people, that it creates unease and anxiety for, for a ton, because there's a lot of stuff going on out there that I see on social media. I, I see how people post. I see how people respond. I see how they buy things. And you can just tell there's fear. There's fear in all sorts of different kinds of ways, and there's lots of psychological reasons why that fear exists, why that discomfort is happening right now. Obviously, I don't have time to break down you know, years' worth of, of research and other people's books about why fear exists, but the bottom line, from my perspective, is this, is that this moment has created uncertainty for our security our security emotionally, our security socially, our security financially, and our security physically. And, and this process happens all the time. It's not a new process. This virus is new. The, this illness is new. But the impact that it's having on society isn't new. Sickness is not a new thing. Scarcity is not a new thing. Panic is not a new thing. And it might be new for some Americans in the 21st century, but on a whole, worse things have happened in our history. There are people, groups, and nations that have went through worse. People in other countries live in constant scarcity and uncertainty every day. And we have been very blessed in the U.S. not to experience that for the majority of people. And that's why so many of us freak out when things aren't going the way we want them to go. It creates uncomfortableness in our life when things get challenging, when things get a little different. And it's a natural process to be afraid when that happens. But it's not new. It happens all the time. God's not surprised by this process in our lives. Listen, a little history lesson for us as we get to the point of what I'm trying to say. Hundreds of years ago, we had the plague, the Black Plague, the um, bubonic plague, and it killed nearly one-third of the entire population of the world during its existence. And it still exists, but our, our bodies have developed immunities, and we're a lot cleaner than we were. We understand it a lot better than we ever did. 
So some estimated 25 million people died from this thing. And this is before they had a, a way to cure things, a, a develop a cure for things, study illnesses in a way that actually is effective. In the American Civil War, it's estimated that 620,000 soldiers died. That doesn't include casualties uh, where you have amputations and infections. You have all sorts of uh, uh, elements that happen because of war that completely change men and families' lives after the war. In the South, uh, the people struggled to survive economically for generations because of the war. In World War I, it's, an est it's estimated that 20 million died in total. 20 million people. And at the end of the war, towards the end, uh, the, the closing segments, the closing weeks of the war, this little illness popped up called the Spanish flu. And by the time the pandemic of the Spanish flu had, had ended, it killed nearly 50 more million people on top of the 20 million it, it killed in World War I. So let's just pause for a second and thank God for the medical and scientific advancements that we have made so that we can deal with illnesses better than we ever could before. Things could be a lot worse, 50 million people uh, worse. So we just need a little perspective about medical history and organization to, to gain some appreciation for how blessed we actually are in this moment. Unemployment rates in the Great Depression in the 1930s reached around 25%. Some studies say more, um, some studies say less, but that's a lot of people without jobs. And even some of the people who did have jobs, they were, they were low-paid jobs or even part-time jobs. In World War II, between civilian deaths and military personnel deaths, some 75 million people died. It, today, it's, we roughly have 7 billion people on the world. 1% of that would be 70 million. 75 million people died in World War II. Millions of those deaths were due to genocide of people groups all around the world. Of course, the most famous, the, the most known is the Holocaust, where Hitler and the Nazis killed millions and millions of Jewish people. Why are we talking about these grim things? Why the history lesson? Because trouble's not new. Pain's not new. Fear is not new. In fact, pers per perspective shows us that seasons of sickness uh, like we're in right now are, are, are in small scale terms compared to other historical events. This is nothing compared to some things the world has been through. This is nothing compared to some things you've been through personally in your life. And God has always been a God of people who go through problems, not a God of perfect people, not a God of a perfect earth, but a God who steps into the imperfection and does things that no one expects. Fear, panic, pestilence, and sickness existed in the Bible. In fact, Paul, who, who is one of the most prevalent writers of, of Scripture, had a fair share of issues and pain and discomfort himself in his life. Paul was struck blind at the very sort of start of his call to ministry. That's frightening. That's very scary. Paul helped send aid to regions who are famine-stricken, uh, it, it, during his lifetime, he helps churches raise money for, for people. So he, he's familiar with shortages. He's familiar with scarcity. He's chased out of towns. He has to hide. He has to sneak out of places to save his life over and over and over again. And sometimes he doesn't get out in time. And he's stoned. He's beaten. He's stripped naked. He, he's accused of things. He's persecuted on multiple occasions. He is shipwrecked. He is carried to prison, to prison several times until his execution, and yet from prison. And yet, 
during the midst of his pain, the midst of his problems, despite all of this, Paul writes to the church of Philippi, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul's life, from a very practical and a worldly perspective, was not great. But over and over and over again, he preaches peace, and he practiced peace, and he's right. The peace that he had, the peace that, the peace that he talks about and preached about does not make sense from our perspective, from our very narrow perspective. And so what we need today, what we need tomorrow, what we need the next day as Christians and as a church is the peace which surpasses all understanding. It doesn't make sense for Paul to, to write this from where he was, to write this from prison, to, to write this after he has been beaten and hurt, but he did write it. And it wasn't fake. It wasn't made up. It was real to him, real enough to write about it. And the only explanation is this, that Paul must have experienced this peace before. And the experience of peace in the midst of his pain made a lasting impact on his life as he tried to do what God had called him to do every single day. The peace is real. And sometimes the only way we know that it's real is when we experience it in our lives during the most painful and frightening and scary moments that we can go through. Some of you have dealt with problems and uncertainty before in your life. You, you, you didn't know how you were going to pay the bills. You didn't know how you were going to feed yourself or feed your kids. Your, your kids were sick and you couldn't afford the doctor bill. Your, your car was broken. You couldn't afford the repairs and you couldn't even make it to work to make money. You were going to lose your job. You couldn't help do any of this. You, you had a loved one that got sick and passed away and he or she was stripped from you and the pain was real and the pain was raw. You were, you were abused and, and, and you dreaded seeing that person. You dreaded seeing that teacher, that parent, that family member, that coach, that person at church. You lived through it and you, and you made it out, but you, you, you dreaded that moment every single day, every single week. You live through war. Some of you, very practically, you live through actual war. Some of you live through spiritual and mental uh, wars in your life. You live through injustice. You saw things that you shouldn't have seen that you wish you didn't see. And yet by the grace of God, yet by the power of who Jesus is and what, he, what he's done, you're still here. You made it. You're still standing. You, you can keep going. And, and, and like Paul, you can proudly say uh, of yourself and to yourself in this season, and you can confidently tell other people the same thing. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus did it before, so why wouldn't he do it again? He's done it before in your life. He's, he's done it before in history. He's done it before in scripture, so, so why do we doubt that he's not in control even whenever we don't know what's going on? Do you think God is surprised by this moment do you think he's surprised by this, this season? I, I don't think so. I can't really imagine God panic buying toilet paper right now. He's got it. The peace is real because it's found in him. Lean on it. Think about it. Ask for it. Believe in it. You can have peace in the storm. Peace in the storm. Paul is talking about a peace that will help you in the storm, but it's not a peace that that this happens that just comes when things are going right. It makes sense to be at peace when you know the storm will end. If you know this thing will end, logically speaking, just hold on, you'll be okay. But this is a peace more powerful than that. This is a peace that comes 
when the storm wins, when the storm doesn't end, when your loved one dies, when you, when you do go bankrupt, when you do lose your job. This is the kind of peace that says, even, even if the boat flips, I'm okay because I know God's in control. Paul's peace didn't come from a place, a prayer that, that wanted uh, everything to be okay. I'm sure he hoped that he would be released from prison. I'm sure he hoped that his trouble would end and that he would have a peaceful life. I'm sure he prayed for that. But what he prayed for more was that his life in blessing and in pain, in good times and in bad times, would serve the kingdom of God. His peace came from a desire to fulfill his mission that God gave him in the world. And maybe your anxiety and maybe my anxiety comes from a place of misplaced priorities. Because we all get distracted uh, sometimes from why we exist, why we were placed here, why God came to us, where we're going, what we're doing. We forget the mission, love God and love others so much that we help others love God and love others so much. And with the things that we focus on get messed up, we panic. When we lose touch with our stuff, the things that we want materially, we freak out when we can't see it, when we can't get to it, when we can't touch it, well, we, we panic and it's normal, and we've all done it. I've done it. But if our eyes are set on the unchangeable, if our eyes are set on the unmovable, if our faith is in the unshakable, then the shifting seasons of life that we have over and over again will have a more difficult time shaking our peace from our life because stuff breaks, stuff fades, but God is faithful and constant in your life. And when you anchor yourself to God who is unmovable, you will find a peace that won't break, that won't shut down, that can't be shaken. Let's focus on the mission. Let's prioritize our passion for God and working for God because I believe that in that process, we will find a peace that carries us through the storm, even if the storm sinks us. I'm part of an organization called the Church of God. It's a denomination. It has its roots in the 19th century. And one of the characteristics of this organization, the early early meetings, revivals, and movements of this group was a passion for coming together incredibly consistently and a passion for living out what they heard and experienced in the meetings. Other organizations and movements uh, of this same time period had very similar experiences, but I'm coming from, from my experience, from my history. They, they showed up to church. They showed up to Bible studies. They showed up to pray. God was a priority in their life, and there were multiple reasons for this. And one of them was maybe it was easier for them to be focused on God because they had less going on. There's no TV. There's no uh, travel ball. There's no internet. Uh, work wasn't like what it is now or, or stuff like that. Many of the, the early members of this organization and this group, they were, they were poor. They didn't have so much. Their lives weren't spectacular like we are blessed today. And, and so they couldn't even afford other distractions that did exist at the time. And the end result of, of some of that is that they became passionate about showing up for God. They became passionate about spending time with God together and alone. It impacted how they did, did life. It showed up in how the church grew. The church grew all the time, and it wasn't just about the powerful preaching. There was a difference in how they lived outside of the four walls of the church. Sometimes they, get, they got made fun of how they worshiped. Sometimes they got made fun of how they lived their lives. But a lot of times, the way they were dedicated to God in every moment of their life opened up the doors for others to be changed by the grace of God. 
People were added daily, just like in the book of Acts, because they were dedicated to spending time with each other and spending time with God. Maybe the season of struggle, maybe the season of isolation is an opportunity to fall back in love with being with God and being with others all the time. Maybe this forced moment of no distractions can knock our priorities back into place because when, I, when you live for the right things, when you live for the right person, for the right reason, peace will be there. So I just want to encourage you to have peace today. Your peace was earned by Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. Take advantage of it, use it, want it, and let it make a difference in you and through you because when other people see your peace, they're going to want what you have and you can tell them where you got it. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God bless you guys. I love you and I'll see you later.